You're listening to the Light for Living podcast, featuring the sermons of Emmanuel Baptist Church in El Dorado, Arkansas, where Dr. Clark Whitney serves as senior pastor. Join us for verse-by-verse messages through the life-changing Word of God. Along the way, we'll also feature devotional thoughts, Bible studies, and interviews, all designed to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. If you have a Bible, I invite you to take it out and turn to John chapter 11. John chapter 11. It's so good to see you this morning. What a great time of worship we've already had. And I'm thankful that each and every one of you are here as we uh, round third base and head on home into Christmas. Who could believe we are this close? And we're continuing a series today called The Gifts of Christmas. The Gifts of Christmas. The title of the message today is, What Can We Thank Jesus For at Christmas? What Can We Thank Jesus For at Christmas? We have a lot to thank Him for. I want to just show you three ways today that we can thank Him. I've told you that I like to fly every now and then, and I've flown different airlines. Maybe you have too. Maybe you've had good experiences. Maybe you've had bad experiences. I've flown a few airlines, but I've never flown WestJet Airlines. After I tell you this story, I think you might want to fly them with me. A few years ago, WestJet, which is a small Canadian-based airline, came up with a pretty cool plan to celebrate Christmas. They had a flight, this was back in 2012, and there were 250 passengers that were supposed to board that flight. And before they boarded the WestJet flight, WestJet, the company, had set up a little booth where they could talk to Santa. And and each person, before they got on the flight, was able to tell Santa Claus what was on their Christmas list. Not just the kids, even uh, the older folks could share. And so they requested things from Santa like a really big TV. There was a kid that, that named a gaming console is what he wanted. And one guy said, I just really want underwear and socks. Well, they didn't know this, but as they boarded the plane and after they had told Santa Claus what was on their list, WestJet had several dozen shoppers that were at the final destination going to pick out whatever they on the plane had requested. So that when they got off of the plane, they were surprised to go to the baggage carousel and not just find uh, their luggage but to find a gift wrapped with their name on it. The moral of the story is, don't ever ask for only socks and underwear. (laughs) I'm sure they were surprised at the gift. They were celebrating the gift. The company got some good PR out of it. They expected they would only receive about 800,000 views, just only, on the video. Within a few days, that video had received 13 million views in over 200 countries. When you give a good gift... Uh, People pay attention. And that's what baptism is. We're celebrating the gift. We're celebrating that these seven have received the gift. When we celebrate the Lord's Supper and honor and remember it in a moment, we're celebrating and remembering and honoring the gift. Uh, What is the gift? Well, I want you to know today that Jesus has given us the greatest gift of all. Through baptism and the Lord's Supper, we show the world that, that it's not the old me anymore. Jesus has given me a brand new life. Jesus did not come just to make your old life better, but to give you a brand new life. 
And that's what he does. But the first thing I want you to see today is that in his life, Jesus gave us light. In his life, Jesus gave us light. I would sure, be sure that the majority of people in the world that know about Jesus would agree at least to one fundamental truth, that he was a good teacher. The Bible says that Jesus taught about the kingdom of God. And the Bible says in John 1 that in him Jesus was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. In him was life and in him was light which was the light of men. Now we live in a pretty dark world. We have wars being streamed to our phones. We have so much depression and anxiety, especially among our, our young people, so much confusion. Uh, there's so much darkness around us. The Bible describes that darkness as the domain of darkness in Colossians 1. And, and apart from Jesus, we are under sin and under the domain of the prince of darkness, Satan. But Jesus came to remove the darkness of sin and to be the light of the world. What does that mean? His light shows us the path to walk in life. In John 8, 12, Jesus spoke to them and he said this, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus in his life shows us light. He shows us the way to go, the path, the decisions that you and I need to make. And he gave so many good teachings and he taught us how to live life. But he was the only teacher whose character matched up with his conduct. And his conduct matched up with his teaching. Everything about Jesus lined up perfectly. He never violated what he said. And he gave us light through his teaching and his life. Alfred Lloyd Tennyson was a British poet. He said this, What sunshine is to the flower, the Lord Jesus is to the soul. What sunshine is to the flower, the Lord Jesus is to the soul. I don't know about you, but sometimes I eat salty things before bed. I like popcorn. That's my nightly indulgence every now and then. Maybe you eat pizza or you just eat something that's really salty and you wake up in the middle of the night and you are so parched. Anybody ever been like that? You're so thirsty. You would do anything for a glass of water except get out of bed. You ever been so thirsty, but you're not thirsty enough to get up out of that warm bed, walk across the house, and get a glass of water? I find myself uh, in that. I found myself in that situation a few weeks ago. I was so thirsty, I eventually was able to fall back asleep. I, I, I normally put a little water by my bed, but I had assumed that I didn't. Well, I woke up, and in the light, guess what? There was a glass of water sitting there all along. The, the way to the abundant life, the way to the living water, on our own is dark. We can't find our way to that, that water. We can't find our way to satisfaction and peace and, and, and getting the thirst of our souls quenched. That's why Jesus came to show us the light. Well, how did he show us the light? He taught us. He taught us the Word of God. Psalm 119, 130 says, The teaching of your Word gives light. The teaching of God's word gives light so that even the simple can understand. 
Even the people that, that don't have a bunch of letters after their name and degrees on their wall can understand the light when they know Jesus. Some of the wisest people I've ever known never had a lick of college, but they studied the Word of God. That's what Jesus did. He was a rabbi. He was a teacher. He taught that the Bible was the Word of God. The Bible says in Matthew 5 that he taught, and they were amazed because he was teaching them as one having authority. He was teaching them, the people, as one who had authority. He was the light, giving them the light. So in his life, Jesus gave us light, and it shows us that he was a good teacher. And a lot of people at Christmas will recognize that, that Jesus was a good teacher, and they'll just stop there. But a few will move on and realize that he's the light of the world, and they will accept that his death was in their place. You see, in his life, he gave us light, but in his death, he gave us love. He gave us love. He showed us and proved us his love. When he hung and died on the cross, Jesus was telling the world, I love you. I love you. Jesus was giving a gift before we even knew that we need it. Sometimes we open up gifts and we say, I didn't even know I needed that. Well, the Bible says that while you and I were still dead in sin, Jesus Christ died for us. Before we even knew of our need for a Savior, He gave His life. You see, the rock group Boston in the 70s had it right. Love is more than a feeling. We say, I love this or I love that. But really, love is an action, an action that you take to benefit somebody else, something that you do intentionally. Love, true love, is a sacrifice. And that's what Jesus did on the cross. Now, I will admit, when I got married, I didn't get to make many of the decisions with the wedding. I haven't made many decisions since then, but anyways. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But the wedding, there's a reason why the bride buys the dress and the groom rents the tux. And if you can figure that out, you're a long way towards having a happy marriage. But uh, one of the things that we made together, we made a lot of decisions together. It was fun. But one of the things that we decided to do on our card, as we gave the invite to people, is we decided to put a scripture. And what could we put on these very expensive, overpriced wedding invitations that would communicate what we wanted to communicate through our wedding and through our marriage? And we settled on this verse together. 1 John 3.16. You know, we know John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave. But another good one is 1 John 3.16, and it says this. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ gave his life for us. This is how we know what love really is. Jesus Christ gave his life for us. The Bible says in John 13 that that when time was coming to an end, the time was coming near for Jesus to be crucified in his death. The Bible says in John 13, 1, and it'll be on your screen, that before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. He loved them to the end. He didn't stop loving them. He looked ahead at his death and his burial, all of the pain, the suffering, the beating that he would endure, 
the abandonment that he would have by God and man. And he looked at that and he loved them to the end. John 15, 13 says, Greater love has no man than this, than he lay down his life for his friends. The greatest picture of love of all time, the love we celebrate at Christmas, was God giving of himself, his eternal only begotten son. And that son, not just being born as a baby in Bethlehem, but going to the cross as a savior. And when we look at the cross, we see God telling the world, I love you. But God proved his love for us in this. While you and I were still sinning against God, when we were doing things that would never make us right against God, to separate us in an eternity called hell, God loved us by sending Jesus. The cross. The cross. Well, in his life, he gives us light. In his death, he gives his love. We see that he's a good teacher in his life. We see that he's a loving Savior in his death. But very few will crown him the Lord of their lives and see that in his resurrection, Jesus gives us life. In his resurrection, Jesus gives us life. Yes, Jesus taught us many good things. Yes, he lived a perfect life. He was a good moral teacher. Yes, he, he went to the cross and he died for you and me. Some people will know that he's a good teacher. Maybe at Christmas, they'll, they'll look back on the time when they trusted in him as Savior. But they don't realize and live in the resurrection power that he provides for us through his rising from the dead. The Bible says in Romans 8, verse 11, that the Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead now lives in you. If you know Jesus, that's why we say buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in brand new life, that you have a new power to live for God. You have his power. The Spirit of God, the one who raised Jesus from the dead, the moment you're saved, you've been saved, comes to live in you. And listen to this. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same Spirit living within you. Whether you realize it or not, if you know Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit. But the question is, how much of the Holy Spirit does he have of you? How much does he have of you? You have him, but have you yielded your life to him? Have you made him the Lord of your life? And, and he is risen from the dead. And I know this, that he has the power not only to rise himself from the dead, but to give it to you by a story in the Bible in John chapter 11. And if you're there, I want to read just a few verses. This is the story of when Jesus' friend, Lazarus, passed away. And the Bible says in John chapter 11, verse 5, that now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Now, now Lazarus lived in Bethany. It was a home away from home for Jesus, a place where he went out to recharge and to, to get just focused on the Father's mission, to get away from the crowds. And, and his friend Lazarus lived there, and his friend Lazarus had fallen sick, and they sent for Jesus. But curiously, Jesus decided to stay for two more days where he was at. And eventually, Jesus makes his way to Bethany. And when he gets there, verse 21 tells us this. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, 
your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He said, the one that's standing in front of you is the resurrection, is the hope for life after death. Life after death, that death is not the end, but just the beginning. That is the promise that Jesus gives. And it's not a promise that we inherit when we draw our last breath. It's a promise that we inherit when we call in his name to be saved. And the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit gives us comfort and peace and power for living our lives. Even to the point of the worst thing that could happen, our moment of death, the Spirit of God gives us peace and empowers us. If you know Jesus, death is not the period at the end of your story. And I'll tell you what, it's not a question mark. You don't have to wonder about death if you know Jesus. You don't have to think that death is just the end. I'll tell you what death is. If you know Jesus, it's not a comma or a question mark. It is an exclamation point. It's not a period. (laughs) Excuse me. I was never good at grammar. No, I was. Death is not a period. It's not a question mark. It is an exclamation point. It's a comma into everlasting life. And Jesus said in verse 25, Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. The greatest problem in life, our problem of sin. The next greatest problem, our problem of death. Jesus solved them both through his death and resurrection. And he said, whoever believes in me, anyone that puts their faith in me and trusts in me and and repents of their sin and calls on me to save them, even if they die, they shall live. And they will never die. Everyone who believes and lives in me. In the original Greek, there's two adverbs. It's this. You could translate it, never ever die forever. Jesus wanted to leave no doubt when he was talking to Martha that that anyone that believes in him does not have to worry about death. They will never, ever die forever. Well, in verse 27, she said to him, Lord, I believe you are the Christ, the Son of God, who's coming into the world. And then verse 38, Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. Your version may say troubled. That word means to deeply shake with emotion. Jesus loved His friend Lazarus, that's where we get the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. He didn't weep and he didn't shake with emotion and he wasn't troubled because he couldn't do anything. He was troubled because he loved Lazarus, shows his full humanity. But the fact that he he went to the cave and there was a stone there, we're about to see his full divinity. In verse 39, Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time it's going to stink. By this time there is an odor, for he has been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you if you believed you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out with his hands and feet bound with linen strips and with his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Jesus said, Lazarus, come out, because if he didn't specify the name, the whole graveyard would have woken up. 
it shows us that Jesus is in charge of life and in death. And the story of Lazarus is a picture of what's to come. The Bible says that Jesus risen from the dead in his resurrection giving us life. He is the first fruits of those fallen asleep. That goes back to the Old Testament when the Jews would go in, the Israelites, and give a wave offering of their crop, the very first. And they would wave it before the Lord and that it would be symbolic to the Lord to say, this is the first, there's more on the way. When Jesus Christ was put in the grave and he got up out of that grave, it was the first fruits, meaning there's more on the way. That his resurrection gives us hope for our resurrection. And when we look at, at the gift of Christmas, we don't need to look at Jesus just as a good teacher. And we sure need to know him as the, the Savior, the one who died for us, the one who loves us. But we sure need to know that he is our conquering king, the one who's conquered death. We have hope in our death. Job 19, and I'll leave you with this. Job wrote these words through suffering. And he wrote them 1,700 years before Jesus was born. And even 1,700 years before Jesus, Job, a man who had just about everything taken away from him, he wrote these words. But as for me, I know that my Redeemer lives, and he will stand on the earth at last. And after my body has decayed, yet in my body I will see God. After my body's decayed, ashes to ashes and dust to dust, in my body, my resurrected body, I know I will see God. I will see him for myself. Yes, I'll see him with my own eyes. I'm overwhelmed at the thought. Even in my death, even when my heart caves in and, and my skin grows cold, even when the worst thing imaginable happens to me, I can trust that the life of Jesus is mine. Thank you for joining us today. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and share with a friend. We hope you'll tune back in next time to the Light for Living podcast.